Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Well, good morning, friends. How we doing? It's good to be with you. Uh, I always love being with our City Bridge family, and I'm especially having a good time going through uh, the book of Colossians with you. I hope you're reading ahead. I hope you're uh, studying along with us as we're teaching as we are unveiling uh, the all supremacy of Jesus Christ. That's kind of what we're doing through the book of Colossians, and we've uh, divided it into three movements. One is that we want to see him clearly. What we're going to do today, we're going to move into the section where uh, we're included in him completely, and then as we finish up Colossians, we'll move into uh, walking in him freely. So that's kind of the setup for where we are in a series. If we're, you're new here, we're really glad uh, that you're here to join us, and uh, we're having a great time going through the book of Colossians. So uh, when you walked in, you should have gotten uh, a scratch and sniff, Yes. Everybody get, everybody get a scratch and sniff when you walked in? I refused. Do you refused? Okay. Well, I, I haven't done one of those in probably 20 years or so, right? And so here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to go ahead and scratch it, okay? Okay, and I want you to smell it. Okay, a little better than I thought. So, um, what, what uh, let me just ask you this. You don't have to answer, but what percentage of the real thing do you think that represents? So 5%, great. Uh, Raise your hand if you're between zero and 25% of the real thing. Oh yeah, most of the people. I'm telling you the banana is stronger than I thought it would be. I'm I'm gonna give it the 50% mark, right? But here's the thing, okay? It is not the real thing. Right, it doesn't have the texture, that scratch and sniff doesn't look like this banana, okay? You don't get all the smell. Uh, When you eat it, you you can't eat the scratch and sniff. You eat this, it gives you nutrients to sustain you, right, when you're hungry. It's just a scratch and sniff is just a portion, okay, of just... What, what the real thing is, I mean a very small portion. And so that's a little bit of what's happening in the book of Colossians. Paul is saying, don't settle for the scratch and sniff version of the all-sufficiency of Christ. And he's saying that to the Colossians who are tempted to add some rites and rituals from uh, the Jewish community into their life. And he's saying, if you do that, you're going to kind of get a scratch and sniff version of Jesus. As we go through the passage today, okay, we're going to talk about some great words, riches, mystery, um, treasure, all that kind of stuff. And if you settle for the scratch and sniff version, you're just going to miss out on so much that God has to offer. The song we sing, I asked the worship team to sing it two weeks in a gray. That song we sing, You Are Glorious. Uh, You've done so much, I've seen so much, I've heard so much, but there's so much more. And Paul is trying to convince us that, hey, there's so much more. Don't settle for the scratch and sniff version of 
what Christ is offering, the riches of Christ. And so that's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to say, okay, hey, we need to move Jesus to the central place in our life. And all the time, we're kind of going off track and he becomes second place or third place or 10th place. And Paul's telling the Colossians and telling us through the scriptures, hey, we need to move him to the central place to believe the true gospel that we don't add anything to that, okay? And to believe and to uh, learn what the riches are that we have in Christ that we are gonna do today. So here's a little bit of the preview. We're gonna have three movements, Christ, okay? The treasure of hope, Christ offers the treasure of purpose, and Christ, the treasure of abundant life. And so we're going to move through this passage that way. Let me pray for us and ask, ask the Spirit of God to move our hearts. Father, thanks for uh, your word. Thanks for the book of Colossians, Father, and how it reminds us of your greatness. Father, how powerful you are, how in control you are. I pray today that as your spirit moves and leads that um, you would give me the words to say, that our hearts would all be prepared to hear from you. And Father, we trust you and ask that you would accomplish significant things in our heart that we might see you clearly for who you really are. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's read. If you've got your Bibles, pull them out. Let's, uh, let's read the passage uh, together. Paul in chapter 1 verse 24 says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, Paul says, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. We move into chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And so there is a lot there. Christ, five, five times in those 10 verses that we have mystery is mentioned three times. Riches is mentioned once. Treasures is mentioned once. And so as you go through there, and as I was reading this, setting this thing up, I thought, okay, I need to go on a treasure hunt. Okay, And so treasure hunting tends to capture uh, the hearts of, I would say, people around the world. So I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if I hit your favorite treasure hunting movie or series or something like that. So if you're a Pirates of the Caribbean person, raise your hand. Okay, we got a few of those. How about Indiana Jones for old school? 
wow, above pirates. That's pretty amazing. Okay, and for uh, my younger folks, uh, have we got Outer Banks? Okay, I saw some hands over there, yes. Got some Outer Banks, okay, <laughs> got Outer Banks. Okay, well, I've got to tell you, this is my favorite. I hope everybody comes along with me. It's National Treasure. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. So when we were talking about the illustration, I was like, I think folks are going to be there, right? It was 2004. It's historical fiction. I love it. And what I love about it is the mystery, the, let's just say, loose ties to history. Can, can, can we say that? Okay, I love it. But here's what I like, that that team that's pursuing the treasure is relentless, passionate, working through trials and problems and disappointments and legal issues and everything you've got in those movies, and they just keep going. He just, Nicolas Cage, he's so polarizing, right? You either love Nicolas Cage or you hate him, right? But he's, he just says, I always thought I was going to find the treasure. And so they are pursuing that treasure like crazy. And there's, I won't give it away. If you haven't seen it, go see it. See it with your kids. It's clean, okay? But there's this amazing payoff, okay, at the end of the movie that they find the treasure. And so City Bridge family, as we continue to go through Colossians, let's go on a treasure hunt, okay, to see what Christ has given us going forward. And so let's jump in in verses 1, 24 through 27, Christ, the treasure of hope. We're going to start with an interpretive challenge, okay? So if, you're, if you study your Bible, one of the things, this is the language you use, we use around here, is if you run across something you don't understand, we call that an interpretive challenge. And so how do you work through that? Well, the first thing you ought to do is you ought to say, okay, I'm going to read that several times, and I'm going to take a shot at what I think it means, Okay, and then you may go through and unpack the language a little bit. Uh, there's a great app called the Step Bible. If you don't have it, it's incredible. You can just read it, click on it, and it tells you some of the other uses of that language. It's great. And then you can look at, look at other, what other people will say. And so I started last week, and I was like, okay, this is what I think it means. And then I went to Warren Wiersbe and... A, Okay, I don't, I'm not sure that's it. And then I went to Sonic Light, and I'm like, uh, I'm not sure that's it. And so this passage that we start in that just says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction is confusing. Like, is Paul trying to say, hey, I've got I've to finish the work of Christ. There's something that's lacking in Christ's afflictions. Well, let me say no, and very, let me say clearly, that's a no. Okay, Christ's work on the cross is complete. But what does he mean? And so the last couple of days I jumped in and I checked in with John Piper and I think Piper's got it. Okay. So I'm going to read you for this quote for what I think this passage means. But as you run across interpretive challenges, do some work, right? Try to figure out what does that mean? And then go check some other sources, talk to your community group. But here's what he says. And I'm just going to quote him because he can say it so much better than I can. He just says, hey, my, Paul, my suffering will become the visible reenactment of the suffering of Christ for others so that when they see me suffering to reach them, to touch them, to love them, they will have a visual enactment of Christ's love for them. And I think that fits. 
I think it fits with the context that Paul's suffering. A lot of people didn't get to see Jesus, right? Didn't know anything, especially in the city, you know, the Lycus Valley where they were. And so Paul's just saying, hey, I know of this Paul and they see me, they hear about me suffering, okay? And it gives them a picture of Christ's suffering. And so you always want to go through the scripture and make sure you understand what it's saying. And it's okay after you've done some wrestling to go get some help to try and understand that. But the point of this section of the passage is just, the question is, what is the mystery? That word's mentioned three times in that passage. What is the mystery? What are the riches? What are the treasure? And I would just tell you, it's really good news. Okay, it's really good news for you and for me and for our church. And so what the mystery is, is that God is uniting Jews and Gentiles. That is the mystery that he's given to Paul, that he is saying, hey, okay, the Jews have been the people of God for all these generations and all of these years, and now we're opening that up to the Gentiles, that the Gentiles can now experience the grace of God. That's really good news for us. Because most of us in here are Gentiles. And so it gives us incredible access to the Lord. The second thing uh, it says in this passage is that it's Christ in you. Here's the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So think about that. The mystery, the riches, the treasure is now Christ living in you, the hope of glory. That's, That's it. And basically, he's saying this God that lived in tabernacles and then lived in temples in the Old Testament is now living inside of you by the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you. That's really good news for us because we have incredible access to the God of the universe, the creator of the universe that God wants a relationship with his people and now we have a way because of Jesus and because of the spirit of God to do that. We have access to the throne of grace to approach him in our time of need. We have forgiveness, freedom from sin. Folks, it's also Christ in you, the hope of glory is also a down payment on your eternity. And so one of the things I would say to us, church, is that we need to grow our eternal perspective, like keeping our eyes on what's coming for all of us. Because when you do that, you're able to live without fear, okay, in this world that we have now, right? You know, and maybe you don't, okay, but because Christ in you, the hope of glory, is a down payment on your eternity, okay, that you are going to live forever, Okay, in a place where there's no tears, there's no pain, there's no tragedy, there's no broken relationships, none of that. And if we keep our eyes set on eternity, this little 70 years that we get here on earth, okay, becomes not quite as big a deal. Although we have momentary afflictions, Right? And we're being renewed. Our inner man's being renewed. We've got our eyes set on what's coming in the future. And it leads to a great deal of peace. 
And it's something that our nation and our world and our country needs these days is we need to understand peace in here. In the midst of the troubles that Jesus promises, he says, take heart, I have overcome the world that we can live in peace. And so what Paul's telling us in that mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is a really big deal. And there is so much more for us to understand if we will take advantage of what Christ has done and learn all that he has for us. And I don't know if you caught it when we were reading the passage, but at the top of the passage, uh, Paul's saying, hey, for your sake, for the sake of his body, that is the church, for you, the Colossians, And so Paul's emphasis all throughout this passage is, hey, all these things I'm telling you are for you, okay, the church. And he's just reminding us, hey, these things are for all believers, this Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so here's what I would love for you to do, just application point number one, if you would. Would you begin to ask God in prayer to grow your hope and to grow your eternal perspective. A lot of times I think we give good information, you take down good notes and information, but we forget to ask God to do something transformative in our lives that would allow us to grow. And so if we can grow our hearts and our souls for living for and with an eternal perspective, we're gonna live really differently. And we're going to be really effective for the sake of Christ. But if we don't do that, if we don't set our eyes and our heart on an eternal perspective, we're going to settle for a scratch and sniff version, okay, of all that Christ has to offer us. Let's move into Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Christ, the treasure of purpose. And I'm going to read it again. It says, him, meaning Jesus, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. And so what's Paul doing here? He's giving us a purpose, and really he's just unpacking the Great Commission. Remember the Great Commission, Matthew 28? Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. So Jesus, just before he ascended, he says, hey, this is the target. This is the purpose. Go and make disciples. And then Paul comes in and he tells us how to do that. And he tells us that we've got to proclaim the gospel, and then we've got to teach, and we've got to warn people so that we get everyone mature in Christ. Everyone mature in Christ. So Paul is giving, if you, as you've been reading, if you haven't picked it up, Paul is giving basically a job description to ministers and pastors and people in ministry. And so before your mind even goes and says, that's not me, I can let this little section go, okay? He's talking, every person is a minister. Every person is a pastor, if you know Christ. Every single person has this purpose to go and make disciples. 
Okay, we warn and we teach. It's why we, the D, our values, authenticity, Bible-based, community, discipleship, engagement, engaging, right? It's why the D is there. This is the definition for D. To help see everyone complete in Christ. It's why almost every week we say, take your next faithful step. Because we want to see everyone become complete in Christ. And so one of my major highlights for 2023, I, I hate to admit this, but I do have a favorite community group at City Bridge. Okay, and it's not mine. Sorry, guys. Okay, but there is a group, and I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to give names, okay? Okay, of uh, ladies that average age, I'm going to go somewhere around 70 or 75, okay? There's four ladies. I see them up here meeting all the time. And one of these ladies is like a second mom to me, okay? I've known her for years and years and years. And so I get a call several months ago, hey, Kyle, I want to get baptized. And she's 88 years old. And so she says, will you baptize me? And I'm like, are you kidding? Yes. So we go over, okay, to the house, and they're in the pool. They're all in their one-piece bathing suits, okay? <laughs> and they're sitting around the pool. They're taking selfies and pictures, and it is genius. And so one of the things that happened as she wanted to get baptized is we just said, well, hey, have you studied? Have you read the scriptures? Have you done that? And she went back, and she did great work. And so we got a chance to baptize my second mom, okay, in a pool several months ago with her 70, 75, 80-year-old friends around watching, celebrating, and it was incredible. She had moved, I've known her 25, 30 years, step by step, moving towards mature. And she'd been mature before that, but she'd never taken that step of obedience of discipleship or getting baptized, and so we're like, you bet, we're going to put you down there, and we're going to hold you under for a really long time, okay? And then we're going to bring you back up and celebrate all that God did. It's my, one of my favorite moments. The passage goes on to say that we toil with his energy, with God's energy, not our own. And as we think about being pastors and ministers and shepherds, if you try to do this on your own, you are done. 2023 had some great moments in it, but it was a really hard year for me. Maybe one of the toughest years that I've had in ministry. And one of the reasons that was true is because I was trying to do a lot of this in my own strength. I was trying to people please. I was trying to make people happy. I was trying to do that. And I finally, God finally just said, Kyle, stop it. You can't control What's happening? You be faithful. And you would think after 35 or 40 years of ministry, I would learn that, but I've got to keep learning it. And it's why Paul says, for this I toil with all of his energy, not my, not my own. And so I think you figured out as you think about being a pastor or a shepherd, you can do stuff, okay? You can make calls, you can go to lunch, all that. But if you're not doing that in the power of Christ, there's no eternal value, okay? There's nothing that's gonna matter for eternity. So your heart and your countenance of, hey, I've got to be Christ is the mission. Discipleship is the mission. And I need to, in the power of Jesus, help people move forward, take the next, take, take the next 
faithful step. It's not unlike so many of our friends in here have little kids, okay? It's not unlike the toys that are all around your house on the floor, okay? And what happens when the batteries run out of those toys that are making noise around your house, right? It dies. It's no longer doing what it's supposed to do. It loses its purpose. And if we're not using the power that Christ provides for us, we're just doing stuff. We're getting up in the morning and we're going through the motions. But man, I want to be on a mission, okay? I want to have a purpose in my life that has eternal significance, that has great impact. And I hope you do too. And as your friend and as your pastor, I would just tell you, we need to be making disciples, right, through God's energy. So ask the Lord to grow you as a disciple maker and in the proclamation of the gospel. So many of us, I think, would say, hey, that's one of our weakest areas is evangelism and engaging Michelin. And I will just tell you that I am getting a master's course in evangelism by serving at the clinic. I have met a ton of uh, Hindus, Muslims. This last week, I had a spiritualist. Two weeks ago, I had an unemployed metaphysicist. And why I say unemployed is after he told me what that was, it was no wonder he was unemployed, right? And so all these different people are coming in and I walk out of some of those meetings and say, hey, man, I could have, I could have helped connect a little differently. Let me sharpen um, my skills. What could I have done? What questions would I have asked? And I do a little bit, I watch film a little bit after I get out of the room. But this week, um, I went into a room and just met with a, a young adult. Um, and she was very nice, but seemed pretty disinterested when I just said, hey, do you have a faith? And she said, um, she goes, well, I'm Catholic. And I just said, hey, are you practicing? And she said, well, we really haven't been to mass uh, since before covid I said, okay, okay, great. And I just said, hey, if I told you that the God who you believe in wants a personal relationship with you, is that, is that new information to you? Have you ever heard that? And she said, no. And I just said, well, hey, do you have a, do you have a few minutes? And she goes, yeah, I really do. And so I pulled that butcher paper out, right, that's on the bench, okay, and not nearly as clean and neat as this is, but I drew this huge bridge illustration, okay, on the paper. And I explained just the wages of sin is death, the free gift is eternal life in Christ, right? And that Christ's work on the cross is what allows us to move from knowledge and information about God to a personal relationship with God. So I went through that. She still looked fairly disinterested, okay? And then I just said, hey, what is that? Does that connect with you? And she just said, well, I kind of felt myself tearing up as you were talking about this story. And I said, okay, great. Let's, let's keep going. So we spent a few more minutes together kind of unpacking uh, the gospel. And then at the end, I just said, hey, would you, would you like to pray to place your trust and faith in Christ and what he's done? And she said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And so we prayed and she trusted Christ and she told us that she was planning on coming to our young adult ministry uh, this coming Thursday night. I don't know that that will happen, okay? But I mean, it is a blast, right? We're so fearful of it, but we get, when we get into it, okay, it's really fun. 
Okay, to be able to proclaim that Paul tells us to be doing as we continue to make disciples. Okay, let's move into uh, chapter 2, 1 through 5. And so uh, I'm going to read, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. And so I just real quickly want to just say, Paul is saying, I toil, I struggle again, back to where we started, for you, for the church. That's what he toils and struggles for, trying to proclaim these riches and treasures to the people of the Lycus, to the Lycus Valley. And I just want you to know, as elders and as staff here, man, that represents our heart for you, is that we love this place. We love you. And we toil and struggle to help you be mature in Christ. That's what we do. We celebrate you on Tuesdays in staff meetings. And what you're doing is you're making disciples on Thursdays when the elders are together, we're praying and we're processing, hey, the hard things that are going on in community groups. And so as a pastor, remember, that's you too as a shepherd, right? That, that's what we do. We toil and struggle, but the, word, the reward is absolutely incredible. That passage goes on to say, to reach all the riches, the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith. And so Paul's really just repeating a couple of things that he said before that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that this Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the source of all of the wisdom and knowledge that you need to walk with Christ and to be effective for his kingdom. And so Jesus gets in on the treasure hunt idea. If you haven't made the connection yet, in Matthew chapter 13, 44 and 45, he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So this was not new information that Paul was giving, right? This was Paul unpacking the great commandment and it was Paul unpacking the parables of Jesus where he says, hey, when you discover these riches, that Christ has done for you, sell everything that you have in order to make this a priority, to make Jesus central to your life. And so a couple of applications just as we kind of close and we uh, yeah, cl close it up. So big applications. And so I've been talking a lot about searching and pursuing these riches Okay, and I would tell you the goal is not to search. The goal is to find, right? And so how do we do that? And so Paul is telling 
uh, the, the Colossian church, he's just saying, hey, don't do it by doing stuff. Don't add stuff. I'm telling you, the gospel is you don't have to complete a to-do list to understand the gospel. You don't have to try harder. So how do you do that? How do you pursue the riches that Christ has given you? And so here's how. It's the best thing I ever heard on this, and it's really simple. Okay, is you train for godliness. You don't try for godliness. You discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And it's a little bit about the, like the difference of a sailboat and a motorboat, right? Motorboat, turn it on, and it just takes you all over the place. Okay, that's doing it in your own strength. But a sailboat, all you can do is raise the sails. And that's what disciplining yourself, practicing, okay, spiritual disciplines does. It raises the sail so that the Spirit of God can do transformation in your life. And so don't do stuff in your own power. Discipline yourself, train yourself for godliness, and the Spirit of God moves and transforms and changes life as you become mature step by step. And so if you're here and you're, um, maybe you're here and you're exploring Christ, man, we would love to connect with you. You're not sure that you believe or even understand the riches that we have in Christ. Nothing makes us happier than to journey with people that are earnestly seeking, hey, who's this God? Who's this Jesus? We'd love to have those conversations with you. I had lunch with a guy this week that does great questions. He loves getting in. Hey, give me the hard ones. That's what I want. Let's sit down. Let's talk through this. Let's do that. That's what we want to do. That's the heart of our church is to help you. Maybe you're new to Christ. You've heard us talk in the last couple of weeks about a new class that we've got called Devote Daily that starts this next week, teaches you the basic disciplines. We've got Regen here on Tuesday nights. We've got Bible studies on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And so if you're new to Christ, it's a great place to start to raise the sail so that the power of the Spirit of God can transform you so that you can be mature in Christ. And so I would just tell you, if you are mature in Christ, or you've, you've been a Christian a long time and you've applied yourself, let me tell you the best way for you to grow. Get with people. Lead a community group. Lead a student group. Lead a regen group. Lead a re-engage group. But jump in, and you hear me say it all the time, jump into the mess of people's lives. My life is a mess. My community group has to jump in and dive in to my mess. And you know what it does? It certainly disciples me, but it disciples them too because they're jumping in. And so if you want to grow and be mature in Christ, lead people. And I'm just telling you as your pastor and at this church, we need you. There's not one ministry that I couldn't tell you. We don't need people to dive in to shepherd. And I love all the stuff that we do on the host team and the parking and the coffee. And that's awesome. But how you're going to mature the quickest is having relationships with people and diving in to, to the mess. And we need you. And so I'm just going to close with, uh, with the treasure chest right here. And so remember, we're, we're training for godliness. But when we 
come to Christ, okay, we have new hope. We have hope in Christ, okay? We have, as we've talked about, we've got a new purpose. It's a treasure, okay, that the Holy Spirit, through the writers of the scriptures, has given to us. There's a new purpose in our life. We've got new life, a new abundant life that leads to eternity, that long-term perspective, living with the end in mind. We've got a new ruler. Okay, and that ruler is Jesus Christ. And he's good and he loves you and he's paying attention to the details of your life. When you understand the riches of Christ, you don't get to be the ruler anymore. You submit, you come under a new ruler that loves you and he guides your life. You get a new family. So many of us are living isolated and alone with our own stuff that's in our lives. And the riches that we have in Christ provides a new family. Paul talks in that passage about, I want you to be knit together in love, meaning the saints of the Lycus Valley be knit together. So you've got a new family that are gonna help you mature in Christ. And then there's a new power that you have. And so you now, if you understand the riches that you have in Christ, you now have a new power and it's a power to overcome the desires of your flesh. When your flesh says, I wanna do this and I wanna do that and I wanna do this, there is a power in you that allows you to overcome by the spirit of Christ, by his power, you can overcome. It's a new power. And so friends, I don't want us to settle for a scratch and sniff version of Jesus and the riches that he's provided. There is, as that song said, there is so much more. And so would you step in? Would you become a member here? Would you jump into a community group? Would you jump into ministry and allow the grace of God through all those avenues to help you mature? Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.